What's up? How's everybody doing today? Good? Awesome. Welcome to Mission. I um, want to welcome those of you that are online or out in the lobby as well. My name is Jody Hickerson. I am one of the teaching pastors around here. And really, I just love getting to be part of this community so much. Um, and we are starting a new series today called Some Things Never Change. Um, but maybe like me, when you're watching that intro video, it's like, wow, we see a lot of change in our lifetime, don't we? I mean, headlines change, and, and pop culture changes, and leaders change, and music changes, and style changes. Um, one big one for me in my lifetime is just how much technology has changed, right? I mean, it has changed so much. I mean, I'm not super old. You're supposed to say amen. 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 All right, okay. I'm not super old, uh, but I do remember these. Um, anybody else remember these? Yes. Um, and I remember being so thrilled when I got one of these. Um, I went to bed with it, man. I mean, it was like, I can listen to this while I go to sleep. Um, I'm also old enough to remember these. Um, and uh, my husband, Mike, and I, when we first got married, we thought we were so cool because we actually had one of these. Um, and it, it was, oh, here it comes. Next picture here. Yes. This is only nine inches, um, but it was on top of our dresser. And, and what this meant, this is why it was so revolutionary. What this meant was that we could not be home when Survivor was on or Alias, and we could actually record it and watch it later. Oh, my goodness. It was so mind-blowing. I remember thinking that my grandpa, who we call Pappy, uh, because Kentucky, that's where I'm from, um, I thought he must have been the richest man alive when he got one of these. Um, in his car, guys, making calls from the car. Um, and when I was in high school, the peak was when, when I got one of these. Um, no, I'm not, I was not a doctor on call. I was just a 15-year-old girl, you know, trying to keep up with my friends. And listen, if you weren't a teen in the 90s, you don't even know about the secret codes, how you could send 17-31701-1, and you flipped it upside down, and it would say, I love you. It would say, I love you. Uh, you didn't even know, right? Uh, this is what I looked like back then, thanks to Glamour Shots at the mall, um, by the way. Hey, okay, okay. So we, we could take that down. So here's the deal. Um, some things change, right? Uh, but some things never do. And we're looking at some of those things that never change in this series, that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in culture, here's the deal. The Bible still speaks. Jesus still saves. The Holy Spirit still empowers. And today we're focusing on the truth that God still reigns. This word in the dictionary, reign, when we're talking about it as a verb, it means to possess or exercise Sovereign power to rule. To use some synonyms, it's power, it's dominion, it's supremacy over all. And our God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. That you, O oh Lord, rule forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Not just past generations but from generation to generation that we right now have a God who still reigns. He is above it all. He is over it all. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is king from everlasting to everlasting. And although we can never, we can never fully wrap our minds around all that God is and actually comprehend him, today I just want us to engage our minds. If we're down to just engage our minds a little bit. 
around his bigness, his power, his genius, his rule, his authority. Like A.W. Tozer once wrote, because what comes to our minds when we think about God, that's the most important thing about us. So what comes to your mind when you think about God? Do we have a big enough view of who he is? Because how we view God, what comes to our minds, has a direct impact on what kind of relationship we're going to have with God. How we're going to view ourselves in light of God. And how we live out our lives. I heard a story about a little five-year-old girl who was, um, you know, in one of the kids' classrooms at church, and she was drawing a picture, and, like, the leader came over and said, oh, sweetie, what are you drawing? And she said, I'm drawing God. And the teacher was like, oh, that's so sweet, but, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl said, they will when I'm done. You know, she was, like, so confident. Um, Now, in no way am I going to paint a complete picture of what God looks like in the next 25 minutes. But my hope is that maybe, maybe, just maybe, we could expand our view, bolster our faith, enlarge our perspective, that we might just maybe get a glimpse of the magnitude of our God and let that blow our minds and drive us to our knees. First of all, our God is creator. He has complete dominion, supremacy, and rule because he created it all. I mean, if we could have the faith to believe just the first four words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. He was already there, already existing, the only uncreated one. And there, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke it into existence, said, let there be light, and there was light. Flung the stars into the night and named them. Pulled back the sky and sea and framed them. Held back the ocean tides, restrained them, breathed life into his own and claimed them. This is our creator, God. And and to just get a glimpse of of his bigness, all we got to do is look up. Several years ago... um, like in my 20s, so let's be real, a couple decades ago, okay, um, I attended this conference. There was this pastor there, his name is Louis Giglio, and he showed several pictures of the universe, and he talked about how great is our God, and it marked me. I mean, I'll never forget it. So I just want to show a more current picture of, of one of the ones that he showed that night. This is the Whirlpool Galaxy. This is a picture from NASA taken from the Hubble Telescope, and get this, <laughs> This galaxy right here is 31 million light years away. That's something that God spoke when he said, let there be light. And light traveled from his mouth at 186,000 miles per second because that's how fast light travels around the universe. So a light year is how far light travels in one year. So uh, we'll just do the math real quick. I'm just kidding. I did it before we got here. It's, it's 5.88 trillion miles in a year. That's how far light is going. You see, when we talk about the things of God, we can't measure the things of God with a mile, with a ruler, with a yardstick, with a tape measure. These things have no value in the universe that God has made. We're using a ruler called a light year, and it's 5.88 trillion miles long. And by the way, if you'd like to go to the Whirlpool Galaxy, all you have to do is multiply 31 million, that's how far, how many light years away it is, times 5.88 trillion, and you know, you'll get there. That's the distance you gotta cover. The rain, the rain of our creator God is more expansive than we could fathom. And what's really stunning 
considering that God made this galaxy and it contains 300 billion stars, it's just one galaxy. One galaxy in the hundreds of billions of galaxies in our known universe. You know God loves it when we say known universe. He's like, yeah, get a bigger telescope, you know. (laughs) This is the God that we worship. He's enormous. He's bigger than our wildest imaginations of him. That by the word of the Lord... The heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Listen, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies proclaim the work of his hands. The heavens declare the glory of God. All we got to do is look up. Let's dive into this word glory for just a moment because sometimes it's a super churchy word and we don't really know what it means and we sing it. It comes from the Hebrew word kavod, which means weight, honor, esteem, to be renowned, to show oneself as great and mighty. And I don't want us to miss this because what this means for us is that God's glory is how he shows us just who he is. How he shows himself to us as great and mighty. And and listen, don't miss it. His glory is all around us because he created it. His glory is in every snowflake, every strand of DNA. It's in every mountain, every stream, every weird little creature that crawls along the ground. His glory is in the long, you know, stretched, spotted neck of the giraffe because who, who thinks of that? His glory is in the miracle of photosynthesis. It's in the billions of stars in the galaxy. It's in the heartbeat of a newborn. Because when we experience these things and we realize there's a creator, it's like, whoa, what weight, what honor, what esteem you deserve to be renowned. You are great and mighty. In case you have any question that God deserves glory, he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He came up with the idea of a sperm carrying 23 chromosomes, hooking up with an egg, holding 23 chromosomes to create life. He's the author of life. He has no beginning. We can't even wrap our minds around that one. Like, he's just, he's just always been, and he always will be. He's the designer of the part of our brain that tells our toes to wiggle. He's the sculptor of the mountains. I mean, Jokic goes for another triple-double, and we're like, whoa. This is our God. And catch this, not only is God's glory all around us showing his glory to you, he created you to show his glory through you. Isaiah 43, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Gosh, this is the part of the greatness of God that blows my mind. Because if we're looking at like the entire universe that we just zoomed out on, the entire universe that God created, then that means our galaxy The Milky Way with its 100 billion stars, it's just a speck. Like compared to the entire universe, the Milky Way is just a speck. Which would make our solar system a speck on a speck. Which would make Earth a speck on a speck on a speck. Which would make North America a speck on a speck on a speck on a speck. Which would make the United States a speck on 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 a speck. Which would make California a speck on 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 a speck. Which would make you and I a speck. On a speck, 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 on a speck. In comparison to this great God, it's why the psalmist David wrote, Who am I that you are mindful of me? But get this, out of everything in all creation, we are his prized possession. 
that I may be a speck. You may be a speck, but you are a speck that deeply matters to the God of the universe, created by God in his image for his glory. Psalm 139. For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that too well. I believe every single one of us and also every person walking the planet wrestles with these questions. Where did I come from? Who am I? What is my purpose? And where am I going? And many of us, we just try to reign over our own lives. We try to play God, create our own meaning, construct our own truth, and we end up empty and frustrated and confused. Get this, you know why? Because that job description is way above our pay grade. It's when we start to know and believe God is creator. He reigns above it all. He's created me. He knows me. He's given me purpose. That's when we start to get real answers. And the bigger we see God and understand we're created in his image and for his glory, it's the more we live with security and purpose and confidence and faith and strength and know who we are. Not only does he still reign as creator, but he is sustainer. There's a lot of people that think, yeah, maybe there is a God. But I think he just spun this world into existence and checked out. I don't even know what he's doing. He doesn't care. He's like an absentee father. That's not what scripture tells us about our God. Isaiah 40, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He does not grow faint or weary. He is at work. He's not uninterested or incapable. He is sovereign. He is close. He is involved in our lives. He is at work, sometimes in obvious ways, sometimes in unsearchable ways, sometimes in invisible ways, but he is holding it all together. I know we saw like the the greatness of God out there in space, but let's zoom in here a little closer into our amazing bodies. I learned about um, hemoglobin this year. Uh, mainly because I find out mine was really low. Uh, so I've been on a little journey with that. Uh, but did you know we have 25 trillion red blood cells and 260 million of these little proteins called hemoglobin? And hemoglobin is what delivers oxygen to the cells. So yeah, it's like pretty important. <laughs> so I'm just curious, when was the last time you thanked God for hemoglobin? <laughs> because our bodies are amazing. And it is in him that we live and move and have our being. So you might be someone that's here today going like, well, I've never seen a miracle. Let me just tell you, you are one. This is a house of miracles. And I know that our bodies break down because we live in a broken world where there's disease and illness and tragedy and hurt and hard times. But scripture tells us even in all of that, God is working. He's bringing good out of the hard. He's redeeming all things. One day he's going to redeem it all forever. But no matter what we go through in this life, he will sustain us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 has always been one of my favorite verses where God says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. He knows we're going to have weakness. That we're going to go through hard times. But his promise is that his grace will be sufficient. It will sustain us. His power will be made perfect in our weakness. And listen, that's just one of the promises that we have in our sustainer, God. 
This guy named Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament says that when we say yes to God's invitation to be made right with him um, by accepting his son Jesus Christ as our savior, that all God's promises get to be ours. This is 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Paul says no matter how many promises God has made. You might be wondering how many promises has God made. An awful lot of promises. By, by many counts, there are 7,457 promises that God has made. And Paul says not some of them are true. Not most of them are true. Not many of them are true. He says all of them. Every one of them are yours in Christ Jesus. This is how God sustains us. He's powerful enough, compassionate enough, loving enough, mighty enough, faithful enough to sustain us in this life. And listen, nothing else can promise us that. No one else can promise us that, even though we turn to just about everything else to get us through this life. But it is only God who will never leave us or forsake us, Deuteronomy 31.6. Only God who can forgive sins, John 3, 16. Only God who can pull us out of our deepest pit, Psalm 142. Only God who hears our prayers, Psalm 34, 17, 18. Only God who can make us new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Only God who can give us freedom, 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Only God who knows our every thought, Psalm 139. Only God who can strengthen us from the inside out, Colossians 1, 11. Only God who can redeem us, 1 Peter 1, 18. Only God who says he's always with us, Psalm 16, 8. Only God who has an unfailing love. All of God's promises, 7,457, are yes. So when you say in this life, God, will you save me? Yes. God, will you forgive me? Yes. God, will you cleanse me? Yes. God, will you give me wisdom? Yes. God, will you give me strength? Yes. God, will you be with me every day of my life until I die? His answer to you is yes. God, when I die, will you resurrect me and take me home to live with you forever? Yes, yes, yes. And he is the only one who can promise us that. The only one that can make these kinds of promises because he is the only God. And he reigns above it all. Listen to these words from God to you. I have upheld you since your birth. I have carried you since you were born, even to your old age and gray hairs. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. He is creator. He is sustainer, and he is Lord. He rules. <laughs> Have the word Lord capitalized here because this is how we see it in Scripture when we're reading it. When, when the name of God that's being used is Yahweh. This is the name of God, the, how he introduced himself as Yahweh. And so it's in all caps. And this name of God is so powerful. In fact, in ancient tradition, this name of God was not even pronounced out loud. It was like whispered. It carried so much weight. And this name of God is translated into I am. That when God introduced himself, revealed his name, he said, Here, here's who I am. Simply, profoundly, I am. I always have been. And I always will be. And I am right now. Proverbs 9.10 tells us that the fear of the Lord, you see it all caps there? That's the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This, this fear of the Lord is not being scared of him, but yeah, it's having a holy kind of fear. And reverence and awe and respect and deference that he is God. And get this, the wisdom that comes with that kind of fear of the Lord is that we begin to understand, oh, if he is I am, that means I am not. 
I am not in charge. I am not my own God. I'm not smarter than him. I'm not all-knowing. I am not in control. God tells us in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, and listen, we already saw how much higher, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And man, when we get this, that our creator God, our creator God, who made us on purpose, for a purpose, who knit us together, who knows us best, our God who sustains us, who defends us, who, who saves us, who holds us together, who is always at work. Our God who rules, who is ever present, whose thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. That this God wants to reign on the throne of our lives, wants to reign over our hearts, invites us to follow him all of our days. Man, it's a no-brainer because he knows so much better than I do. And so our response to this incredible, awesome God is to believe and to place our faith. It takes faith to believe. When we look around at creation, he created it all. He created me. He knows me. He loves me. I believe that he is real. And then to trust and to trust in his promises, to trust in his truth, to trust in his character. That if there is a God, I want to trust him with my life. Trust him with our families. Trust him with our futures. Trust him with our eternities. Our response is to obey, to submit our life to his ways, because he knows better than we do. And his ways are for us. In fact, in 1 John 5, 13, it tells us that his commands are not burdensome. They're not meant to weigh us down. They're meant to give us life. And so in light of who he is, yes, I want to follow and obey his ways. And then this response cannot be overlooked. Man, we respond in worship. Our God deserves our worship, our praise, our adoration, our awe, our wonder, our voices, our songs, our devotion. You remember that little girl I talked about at the beginning that was drawing this picture of God? <laughs> One of the most amazing things about God is that he did send us a very clear picture of himself in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus showed up, people expected him to reign and rule and overthrow Rome. <laughs> but God's plan through Jesus was so much bigger. Colossians 1, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and, and, and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. You know, when they zoomed in on the Whirlpool galaxy, there was this black hole that got the core. And they zoomed in further and there's these, there's these two dust rings. And the way they're situated, I mean, 
Just look at this image. He reigns above it all. He's the center of it all. God sent himself to us in Jesus Christ. Creator, sustainer, Lord. A Lord that would go to a cross for us and die for our sins, defeat death, and reign above it all. So I just want to close today by sharing a portion of a piece you may have heard before. It's by a, a pastor named S.M. Lockridge. And it's just to remind us of our reigning King, Jesus. The Bible says he's the King of the Jews. He's the King of Israel. He's the King of righteousness. He's the King of the ages. He's the King of heaven. He's the King of glory. He's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And I wonder, do you know him? David says the heavens declare the glory of God. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine in true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king. And I wonder, do you know him? He's the miracle of the age. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the di diligent. He beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes, and he's the king of kings, and he's the lord of lords. That's my king. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His grace is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. I'm trying to tell you the heavens cannot contain him, let alone man explain him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. He'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king. Praise the Lord. That's my king, and his is the glory and the power forever and ever and when you get through with all the evers forever and ever amen because some things never change and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever and I wonder do you know him God we are in this place today 
and we've taken these moments to look up. God, would you draw near to us as we sit in awe of you? God, I thank you that in your bigness, in your rule, in your reign, in your, your creativity, and your expansiveness, God, that you're also so invested in each of us personally, that you created us, you know us, you love us, and you want to lead our lives. You want to transform us from the inside out. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for us and being the kind of king who would die to reign over our hearts. We love you, and in this moment, we worship you. Amen. Uh, we're going to do something today, and that is give you an opportunity uh, to maybe decide for the first time to believe, to surrender your life to Jesus, to make that decision that he's going to be the leader. He's going to reign over your heart. Um, at the end of the rows are some baskets, and there's these uh, cards in the basket. You can go ahead and take a card, take a pen, pass it down your row, and I'll kind of walk us through this. There are two options on this card, and this is what we're doing. This is this is just to mark this moment. Sometimes God moves and He speaks to us, and then we just we walk out and we we don't even take the time to go, man, what was happening in that moment? So this is just a tool to mark this moment. If God's speaking to you, the first box says, I have decided to surrender my life to Jesus today and be baptized on February 18th. That's in two weeks. Like you could make a decision today that in two weeks you go public with that decision and you say, yeah, I've got a new leader running my life. Dead to myself, alive in Christ. I'm ready to go on the journey now of trusting him, obeying him, and worshiping him with my life. So if that's you, man, check that box. And then anytime as we're worshiping, you can just bring this up to the cross, to, to these tins that are on the stage. Just, just kind of symbolically come towards the cross and drop your cards in the tins. And then there's another box on there that says, I've decided to recommit my life to Jesus today. Because we know then, so many of us believe and we've accepted Jesus. But if we were really honest, we've been reigning over our own lives for a while now. And we've lost what it means to trust and obey and worship him. So maybe today you want to mark that moment and say, yeah, I'm putting you back on the throne where you belong. And I will follow you because you are God and I am not. So during this time of worship, you can bring your cards forward if that's you. We're going to worship. Guys, we're going to worship the God who deserves to be worshipped. I hope we rip the roof off this place um, in our worship to him. Let's stand together and let's respond.